Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. I'm going to do a couple of messages that are kind of independent. I'm not really doing a series this month. I'm doing a couple of messages that are independent, given everything that's going on. I just felt like the Lord's just giving me a, a couple of week-to-week messages, and I'm, I know kind of about what I'm going to talk about each week. But uh, given everything going on, it might change a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but given the, the tension of the week that we all seem to feel right now, um, considering that, you know, we're all wondering uh, how Georgia's going to do next weekend. That's a big week. I'm just kidding. I think we all know there's a lot of tension this week. Next couple of days, um, our country is going to, uh, well, you pray to God in the next couple of days, you know, which one of these individuals are going to be uh, uh, president so we can begin to kind of have some understanding of what's going on again. So I wanted to share a couple things with you, and and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start today with this, and I title this a more perfect union. You've heard that phrase before. It comes out of our Constitution, and I'm not <clears throat> doing politics in necessarily today, but I am going to use that in a way to help understand and teach something I feel like the Lord has given me to share today, okay? So the preamble to the Constitution says this. I'll put it on the screen for you, or actually, I'll, I'll read this to you, but um, I'm not sure if you can actually see it. I, I took a, a clip of this, but It says this, it says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America, not of, for the United States of America. This this document that we uh, probably don't know near enough about, and uh, don't understand near enough about, to be honest with you, um, is a document that we all really benefit from in, in so many different ways. Uh, the individuals who started out with this, you know, our country was not always based upon two groups of people that ask you to vote for them. It used to be based upon representation, and it still is, but not nearly what it was then. When the Declaration of Independence was signed, I'll show you a clip of this, and, and I don't know if you can see the signatures on this, but I'll put this up here for you, if you guys can throw that up. There at the bottom, there are the signatures of the men who said, we declare independence from Britain. That's not a lot of people. Very few people. And when you see this, you realize that there's no red or blue up there. They had some differences of opinion. They had some fights. They had some issues they had to deal with. But the men who signed their names on that were basically either signing their death or their freedom. That's, they knew one of the two, it was going to be that. Freedom or death. And what I want you to see from this is, it's not red and it's not blue. That we have disagreements, we have issues, we have all these things that go on. But these gentlemen who signed this declaration, and then formed the Constitution, they did so without red or blue. They were representing the nation, if you will. And when I say that, I want to share this with you, and I laid this up because I have somewhere I'm going to go with this. I want to speak today, and I'm going to ask you to do something for me, that you'll let me share this without forming an opinion of me, but that you would let me share a message that I feel like the Lord has tasked me with giving you today. Can we do that? Can you, can you let me preach? Can you, those of you online watching it, can you let me just share something God's put on my heart, a burden he's put on my heart, without forming an opinion of me? Just let me be the messenger today. 
Just let me preach this thing. Just let me get this out. But don't, don't sit there and go like, well, is he trying to be a red or a blue? Or, no, no, no. Please understand, like, I am, I am not a red or a blue. I'm a pastor. I got to pastor both colors. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but in this room, it ain't all red and it ain't all blue. In our county, it's not all red and it's not all blue. I know the president's coming to town tonight, and I understand there's more red up in here than there is in further. I get that. But I'm just telling you, I pastor both colors. And when this is all over, here's what's going to happen. No matter who wins, I promise you, whichever side loses, I will pastor people through some things. That's just the reality. Every presidential election, it happens. I've seen it happen way too many times, and I just want you to understand that. Please don't try to figure out, is he trying to go red or blue? No, no, no. I'm trying to bring a message today, okay? So just hear that from my heart to you today. What I want you to hear today is this, that the past gives you the luxury of looking back on history at choices that were made. The present does not. The present, you work moment by moment. The past gives you the permission. Now you can look back and see, oh, man, well, you know, now I see. But in the present, you just have a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks. You understand what I'm saying by that, right? You know, Georgia, we should have done this when we played Alabama. Blah, blah, blah. We don't want to hear about Alabama. Don't care about Alabama. Don't care if Nick Saban. Listen, I'm glad he's healthy and okay, but I was just fine if he'd have missed that game. It wouldn't have bothered me at all. You understand what I mean? Still a little bitter about all that, okay? But my, the reason I'm saying this, you can always look back and see what somebody could have done. You can tell me what I could have done five years ago better than what I did. I understand. Anybody can do that. It's hard to lead in the present. In a few years, what's going to happen is after this week, in a few years, please hear me, we are going to look back on this season, and we're going to say, we could have done this, we could have fixed that, we could have done that. That's why I don't bind all this hype that goes on about, look, pray for your leaders. Pray for them. Because they're doing the, I think they're doing the best they can do. I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just naive, but I don't know how much more you can do about a virus. I'm just about exhausted with what else can we do? Put you all in a bubble, let you walk around, you know, like, what else can we do? I mean, there's just not much more I can do. It's just exhausting, the whole thing. But we're going to look back. And so I thought, instead of looking at right now, maybe I'll take you back a little bit and look at some of the things from the past, okay? So I don't go, know if you guys, and some of you guys are too young because you weren't alive then, but so George W. Bush, when he was president, had some pretty serious issues to walk through. Uh, 9-11 was no small thing. And given the information that you have now, you can always look back and say, well, oh, we, everybody could have done something different. All he could do is respond with what he had been given. And understand, this is before, like, the iPhone, you understand, like, you couldn't just pick up your phone and be like, selfie everything and video stuff and know what's going on. No, it was, people still had flip phones. You don't know what that is, do you? No. Like, you know, you're like 15 or 14, whatever. You're like, a what? The flip phone? What, what is that? Where the phone used to, like, it, it actually opened up like a book. And you actually pressed buttons. You pressed the button. No glass. It was a plastic button. Anyway, so flip phones. You remember that? You text message. That's when text messaging was really text messaging. Short messaging service. H, how are you? I mean, that's where all that came from. Now, you know, you can do whatever. But when George Bush, uh, whether you like him or not, it's not about red or blue right now. Just, just hear me. Whether you like him or not, um, he had to deal with 9-11 as a president and not as a citizen. And what George Bush had to do was, when, when you watch this, I watched this this week. I went back and watched some of his footage. When he had to deliver the State of the Union, when you watch his message, 
you'll watch, if you watch, that man held back so much emotion. He held back so many tears so he could deliver courage for our nation. That's all you saw. If you watch and go back and I encourage you to go back and watch it. His mouth, his whole bottom chin is quivering about ten times. Every time he talked about something, he just swallowed it and then just kept pushing through. Whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter. And everyone has said since that speech, not since that speech, has there been a time when our nation has been more united. That's the last time in our nation we've been that united. It united all of us. And then after that, he was criticized. Again, I'm not going red and blue, just these are facts. He was criticized by the next president, by President Obama, about how he handled things. He was criticized by the current president, President Trump, about how he handled things. And he was asked by many for a decision, like about his decision. And he said, you know, about he wanted, people wanted a response about why, you know, he wouldn't say anything about President Obama. Well, what do you think about President Obama? He's saying this about you. What do you think? And he said, well, I'm not going to comment about what he says. Well, don't you think you ought to criticize him? And he would say no. And this, it, it's just wisdom to me because he had been through some things. As a president, citizens, it's easy, to, it's easy to say stuff. But as a president, he said, I'm not, I don't think it's right that a previous president, a former president, should criticize a current sitting president. Why? Because he said, I've been there. I know what he's going through. And matter of fact, he took to, I remember this was crazy when all this stuff was going on about President Obama saying that, you know, he didn't, and I'm not, again, just hear me, these are facts. Saying that he went through the bailout process, Obama did this and Obama did that. He got all this debt. President Bush actually came out and said, um, "I'm the guy that signed the, t- the paperwork on it." <laughs> he said, "I'm the guy that got us the bailout." Matter of fact, I was going to go for more. I mean, he just didn't care. And the thing that I found interesting about him was he said, "I don't think it's right to criticize a president as a former president." When President Obama was asked at the end of his term, "What's the best advice President Bush ever gave you?" He said, "Always trust yourself." And use a lot of Purell. You'll shake a lot of hands. <laughs> Which I thought, well, that's some prophetic wisdom right there, man, you know. So most presidents, they write a letter and they leave it for the next administration. I don't know how long this has been going on, you know. But I know that he did this and many others have done this too. But President Bush left a letter. And this is what he left to President Obama. He said, Dear Barack, congratulations on becoming our president. You have just began a... Uh, fantastic chapter in your life. Very few have had the honor of knowing the responsibility that you now feel. Very few know the excitement of the moment and the challenges that you will face. There will be trying moments. The critics will rage. Your friends, in quotation marks, will disappoint you. But you will have an almighty God to comfort you, a family who loves you, And a country that is pulling for you, watch this, including me. That to me speaks volumes. No matter what comes, you will be inspired by the character and the compassion of the people you now lead. God bless you, George Bush. I I wanted to highlight a few things on this just briefly. One of the things that he said, and you probably heard this, maybe even said it. I don't know, I'm not picking, just, you know, when President Obama became president, people said, he's not my president. George Bush, in his letter, the first thing that he said was, congratulations on becoming, watch this, our president. Our, this is two different, you couldn't have had two different ideologies. You know that, right? You could not have two different ideologies, but that's what he said. Congratulations on becoming our 
president. I don't know if you can see it. I got it circled up there for you. I don't know if you guys can see it online. But then the next thing, further down, he says this. Listen, critics are going to rage. Your friends will disappoint you, but you will have an almighty God to comfort you. And then he says, man, your country is rooting for you. Watch this, including me. And I thought about that, you know, and how you can look back on some things and think, wow, how inspiring. To know that the guy who basically criticized you so much for your handling of 9-11 and Iraq and everything else, and you write, I'm pulling for you. That is a tremendous thing to hear somebody say. This went further and further. They actually formed a friendship. Let me show you something here. This is a picture of, of, of Michelle Obama and George W. Bush. They got so such a friendship. They have ideology that is completely different. You guys know that, right? I'm completely different. But they became friends so much so that he and Michelle Obama, they're very good friends. They're, they're families. You know, they, they love one another. They care for one another. She finds them to be funny. He said he enjoys making her laugh. Kind of thing. They, they've just gotten to be friends. Two complete different ideologies. When they were at uh, President uh, George H.W. Bush's funeral, uh, President Bush was there as he greeted. I'll show you the next picture here. All the, the, the current presidents that were alive were there and present. Hey, look at this. He reaches over and look whose hands he's shaking. Some of his most stark critics, he was able to, they're there for his dad and they, they are able to shake hands and smile at one another. I, I show this to you because I, I want you to see this. That, and you can't see Jimmy Carter, but he's there. His wife's at the very end, but he's there as well. All these people are there. And I'm not saying red or blue. What, it doesn't matter. The point is this. Amazing how these men could get over certain things and actually have a friendship with one another. And I think about President Bush's reaction to people now that he has perspective to look back. And I'm not saying that you can't voice your opinion and everybody's got an opinion. They all, we all know that. And I've got mine and you've got yours. But it's something that I want you to see here, this unity. It's often over, it's, it's mistaken many times in politics, churches, corporations, everything. Because we don't understand the difference between these two words. And that is union and unity. A more perfect union is different than a more perfect unity. So I did all that to let you see something. What you just saw there was unity. It was not union. And there is a difference. What is a union? Well, let me explain a couple of things to you about it so you can understand. A union is this. We're bound together by covenant regardless of obstacles. When the towers hit, where we're hit, when, when 9-11 happened, what happened? We all came together and said, no, 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 no. we'll do whatever we got to do. But you ain't, that's it. You ain't, we're not taking this. We're not, it didn't matter what color, red, blue, purple, green, polka dot. It didn't matter what you was or what you believed. All of a sudden, everybody said, no, we will together Stop this right now. Why? Because we are in union as a state. We are a more perfect union. The United States of America are not the unity states of America. They are in a union. Why is that important? Because a state can be independent of another state. I'm not trying to give you a history lesson, but I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang tight. You're like, I didn't want an American history lesson. I could Google that. Well, that's fine. Good. Maybe you should do that. Just saying, maybe you should. But we are the United States of America. We are independently as a state. We govern independently. But we are, connect, we are in a covenant, man. And maybe except for Texas, I think they can secede if they want to. But everybody else is pretty much in this thing together. You know what I'm saying? If things get too bad, I think Texas says, well, we, we out. I don't know. I think that's what they say, but that's Texas. But we're bound together by covenant regardless of obstacles. Let me give you an, establish, uh, 
uh, what this actually means for me. And, and this is in marriage. And this is why you need to hear this and understand real quick. There's three areas I just read these to you real quick. The same things, you know, in three different areas. And God's the first place. This is in Genesis 2.22. It says, Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, brought her to the man. And the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined, or that word would be cleave, and maybe in your translation, cleave or clasp to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Union, not unity. See the difference? Union. Let me give it to you another. Jesus said this. And understand, uh, when Jesus said that Matthew 19, I'm not getting into all the before and after on this. I can teach that another day. Just hear the context of this. And he answered and said to their question, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, union, let no man separate. Union. Not unity. Big difference. Paul's the third place in Ephesians 5.31. It says, for this reason, I know it's the same verse, just I want you to hear the power of this verse. A man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined together with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, this is important for Christians. I don't have time to dig down into this, but this is why the marriage thing is such a big deal. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. If you don't understand marriage and the power of a union between a man and a woman, it breaks down the whole gospel and makes it null and void. The power of marriage is a union. And I don't have time to get into, look, we all have had our own things, but marriage is based on a union and not unity. If you try to walk together in unity in a marriage, it's not going to work. Because unity is what I do with my friend Corey. I'm not in union with him. I love him, but I ain't in union with him. You understand what I'm saying? I'm in union with my wife. Because, you know, that's a covenant. You understand? I'm trying to keep it PG, that's a covenant. You got covenant relationship based on a union, not unity. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? Looking at me like I'm not sure you, should I go PG-13? It's a covenant. Based on, okay, now okay, now y'all blessing a little bit. Okay, I got you. I don't walk with my wife in unity. I walk with her in union. I walk with you in unity. Do y'all see the difference? And why this is so important? Because in unity, we're going to work together in agreement to accomplish something or to do something or to make something happen. But listen, I love every one of y'all, but I'm not in union with you. I'm in union with my wife. I'm in union with Christ. I'm not in unity with Christ. I'm in union. The bride has been bought by the groom. And listen, baby, I don't know what you think about your theology or where you're at with all this stuff, but when I'm in a union with my wife, I ain't looking to get out. When I'm in union with Christ, I ain't looking to get out. And if I ain't looking to get out, I'm just assuming he ain't getting out either. Like, we, we are together. We are, watch this. This is crazy. We are one. The same way a marriage we are one in Christ, we are one. Why is this so important? Because we are trying to walk in union with our country's politics instead of unity. You can't walk in union with a political group. It doesn't work. Because in that group, I can give you 10 things that I could probably say, you know what, I agree with that guy on that. I probably give 10 things on the other side. I probably agree with those things. But I can give you another 10 on each side that I disagree completely with. Why? Because we, we just don't see eye to eye on everything. It's not going to happen. All you can do is make the best of what you got to work with. 
Psalm 133, listen to this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in what? Unity, not union. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down the road, the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down to the edge of his robes. And it's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. Watch this. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. And the problem is today, we think as Christians, we're supposed to walk in union with everybody, from our politics to our people. And I'm you, that's why there's no boundaries set up. That's why some of you can't say no to anybody. You just say yes to everything because you think you've got to walk in love because you don't know what it means. I'm not in union with everybody. I don't have to be at everybody's thing. I don't have to show up at everybody. I, don't, I love your kids, but I don't have to be at all your kids. I got three. I can't be at all your kids' stuff because I'm not. That's your family. That's your union, not mine. See, there's a difference. And people say, well, why? You don't come to this and you don't. Because I ain't in union with you. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? But see, when you think that you're in union with everybody, you're bound by always saying yes. You have no boundaries because you think that you're supposed to walk in union. No, I walk in unity. That means I get over certain things and deal with it and walk with you. That doesn't mean I go home with you. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Like in our home, I don't know how you do peanut butter and jelly. But in our home, peanut butter and jelly is in like a jar. It's already mixed up. Because my, my little one, she, she don't like the, the, to do it herself. It's like that little swirl. I forget what it's called. It's a little swirl of grape and peanut butter and jelly. It's all in one big bottle, right? You just pull it out. And you're home. Maybe you like them separate. That's fine. We're not going to break up and have a disagreement and like never be friends again because you eat your peanut butter and jelly wrong. <laughs> we eat ours the right way. But we're not going to fight over peanut butter and jelly and break up a unity between the brethren over peanut butter and jelly. But in our house, see, we're a union. That's how we roll with peanut butter and jelly. You may do it different. Now, as I want you to hear this little, a couple of thoughts here, okay? Jesus dealt with crazy stuff. Just as crazy as you see today, he had it too. In Matthew 10, verse 2, listen, here's the names of the 12 apostles. Simon, called Peter. Then there was Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, which is all Nathan, same guy, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Do you understand that Peter was always the leader of group, always? Nobody else got to lead, only Peter. This is, this is the dynamic of the team that Jesus called. Peter, James, and John were closest to Jesus. They saw Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. The rest of them didn't. It probably went over real well. Teams probably love that. Matthew was a tax collector. He turned his back on the Jews and worked for the Romans. Jesus called him into the group. They hated Matthew. Nathaniel or Bartholomew, he was a little bit prejudiced. He's the one that said comments about Nazareth that can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> little prejudice, just a little. Simon the Zealot, he was too radical for people. He was a zealot. Political, he's the, the people who died on the top of Masada at the last when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. He was of that group. Jesus called him into the twelve. Hey, look at him. We got a crazy tax collector, a zealot. Peter's always in charge, and he's wishy-washy. You don't know what he's going to do. Jesus called a Samaritan woman at the well. The disciples, all of them said, not her. We can't. Well, she can't be in the group. And Jesus is like, you know, you had to think. He's probably looking. I called you, you, and you. Every one of y'all is crazy. He called women, children, a few Pharisees, even one at night. Try to join him. Watch this. People loved him as long as he fed them fish and loaves and gave them wine. Everybody loved Jesus until he said, 
and I want you to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And everybody's like, well, he went all Jason Voorhees, Friday 13 stuff, man. Like, Jesus is weird. And the Bible says in John 6, after this, many of them left him. And he looked at his 12 and said, y'all going anywhere? Matter of fact, the message says this, you also want to leave? He gave them their chance. Crazy mixed up group because it wasn't based on a unit. It's unity. They had to deal with stuff. The priest enjoyed his teaching about giving money to God until Jesus said in Mark 12, give to Caesar what's his and give God's what's Their mouth hung open speechless. Wait, what? Why do we got to give to Caesar? Then they looked probably at Matthew and thought, great. See, Matthew, it's your fault. You've been hanging out with Jesus. You convinced him to change parties, and now he's voting your way. That's probably what happened. Jesus, he wasn't moved by this stuff. Because Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you'd go and bear fruit, and your fruit would remain. Listen, in a few days, we're either going to have the current president that we have now, or you're going to get a different one. And you need to consider some things right now. If your guy loses, how are you going to respond as a Christian? Because we're called to walk in unity. And if that group of 12 could do it as goofy and mixed up as they were, surely we can do it as well. This is what President Lincoln said. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Took it from the scriptures. He said, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. Watch what he said. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become one thing or all the other. President Lincoln knew that we were in such a unit. We're not going to fall apart. It's either going to be one thing or the other. How are you going to respond if your guy wins? Will you reconnect with those people that you're upset with or they've been upset with you, particularly Christians? Because the blessing of God is commanded where there is unity. Where there's unity. I wrote this down. This is me. This is not present to anybody. This is just Jody. If hatred's in our soul, how can we bring healing to the spirit? If all I see is the color on somebody's like yard sign or whatever, and I've already formed an opinion about them, not only understanding what they stand, you know what they stand for. If they vote in this way or that way, you kind of already know. But if it's hatred that I have in my soul, how will I ever bring healing to their spirit? Because in a couple of days, we're going to have to put all this aside us and, and move forward. I have one last thing I want to show you this morning. And, um, and uh, I'm going to ask church to come on up. We're going to kind of wrap up here in just a second. But I'm going to read the scripture to you, and I want you to see something, the beauty that I think unites us. So I, I was looking up a study, and I did this in our town hall, and, and, and uh, you know, found this out, that of all the professions that are out there, <clears throat> the one that is trusted the most is our military, by far. There's not even anybody else close. Healthcare workers, um, like scientists come in next, whatever, but like, you know, clergy's like, we're like at them. I don't know, man, we're, it's terrible. Like, we're right there by the news media, if that helps you. I mean, it's a bad group to be hanging with, you know what I'm saying? But uh, then, then on down the bottom, it goes, this last people on the list is politicians. Matter of fact, it says like 3% of the nation actually trust politicians. And I thought, isn't that funny? And they're the ones that's creating all the division, yet you don't trust them at all. I got this video offline, I'm going to show this to you. And uh, this is about a guy who's the oldest um, uh, part of the military, they, the change of the guards at the, the tomb of the unknown soldier. He's the oldest man uh, still living today. I don't know if he's still alive now, but he was. He was 100 years old. 
And uh, I want you to see this and watch. Uh, so take a look at this, and then we'll wrap up after this, okay? Take a look at this video. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery has had a 24-hour military guard posted since July 1937. On October 23, 2019, the tomb was visited by 100-year-old Jack Eaton, the oldest living American to stand watch over the tomb. I'm glad to be here. Yes, uh, first of all, we just want to welcome you. It is an absolute honor um, to have you here today. It had been discovered that his name plaque on the honor roll wall was missing, and he was invited back to correct the oversight. On the wall. So this board stays here forever? It's going to make it harder to find somebody older than me to uh, say that they were the oldest one. <laughs> I'm going to make it hard for them. This has probably changed a lot since you've been here, huh? Yeah. In those days, the century was selected from three different forts, Fort Belvoir, Fort Meade, and Fort Myers. This is up to the closure you're swearing to, and uh, it, uh, there's an obligation kind of you have to stay with for the rest of your life. We, we were, at the beginning of it, we were the uh, people that the rest of them followed and improved on it, which they have done. We basically did the same that they're doing now, except we didn't have to uh, cook our feet. My company commander selected me in 1938 as a private for a 15-day tour of duty. In 1939, my company commander selected me again this time as a private, first class. Then in 1940, I was Again, selected by company commander. When we did it, uh, it wasn't known as much. It is something now that uh, is known all over the country. Now it's honored. It's an honor that uh, they live with for the rest of their life. And it was an honor for me to do it. The reason I want to show you that is because. <clears throat> In different years, 1937, I think is said year, someone's been standing guard over the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier for all this time. That means under different administrations, they've all stood. Something about the military, I don't know if you realize this, but <clears throat> uh, when you hear their stories and you talk to the military, they have personal opinions. But when they're in service, their opinions are null and void. They serve their country regardless of who is the commander-in-chief. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen or heard in your life when you hear them talk. They, they may disagree with who's leading, but when it comes down to it, they know they're in, in union, in a covenant, in a sense. They understand the, the, what they put their life in the line for. They understand. And they're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice if necessary for their nation. And they watch over it regardless of who's president which I found it to be a very unifying thing to see, to think that here's these men who do this every single day, and the wind, rainstorm, doesn't matter, they're there. And if you saw the kids that were sitting on the steps, and the man walks up to them, and all of a sudden he makes an address, they all stand up real quick, it's because many, they don't know. People don't understand the honor that's there. You can't talk there, they will call you out, they will run you off. If you try to, if you, it's, it's the most honoring and respectful thing there. Because... They're not serving a president in a sense. They're part of a nation. 
So I want to end with this last thought here today within Ephesians. The Bible says that he gave us some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up the body of Christ. Watch this, till we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of faith. I can't tell you what's going to happen next week. I don't know. I can't tell you what's happening in three days. I don't know if the, uh, look. All I can tell you is this. I pray to God that we can all come together and look back a little bit and see that we've been through things before. And there are examples we can look back on as to how to go forward. And I'm just praying today that we would, we would do that. And understand there's between union and unity. But let's have some unity with one another, regardless of what happens. Regardless. I've already made my decision. If the guy I voted for doesn't get elected, I am not going to have one day of sadness. I am not going to walk around like a droopy to the dog. You know, kind of like, oh, man, this is terrible. I, 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 okay, well, game change. Understand what I got to do now. I'm not going to sit there and, if my guy was to win, flaunt it over everybody. Because there's going to be 50% of the nation's going to be upset. You understand that? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of healing that's going to need to take place. So today I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment to pray for you. <clears throat> and pray that you hear my heart in this and didn't hear red and blue, but you heard my heart <clears throat> from this message today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us today to hear your voice. Lord, help us as, as first of all, that we are Christians and not as Americans, but first and foremost as Christians, that we would carry ourselves in a way that is honoring to you, that we would... Um, nothing wrong with our opinions, nothing wrong with our beliefs. That's, that's totally appropriate. But God, that we carry ourselves that would be honoring to you in, the, in our beliefs and in our, in our systems here. The Lord, understanding that the disciples were all eclectic in a sense. They were so many different ones with different beliefs and Jesus called them all into his group, which I find so amazing to me. Help us to understand, Lord, that we all have different belief systems, all have different ideas, all different things. But God, if, they, if, they, if we are believers, surely we can come to agreement under a few things that we serve you, we love you, we worship you, that you're Lord of all. God, I pray for those that are here today and they're watching online. If they don't know you, if they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today that they would do so. So if you're in this room or you're watching online right now and you're being prompted to the Holy Spirit, you sense that you need to make a, an adjustment in your heart, you need to say yes to Jesus. You need to sell out to Christ 100% more than you are to your own political party. I want to take a moment right now and pray for you. And during this time, you can just pray this prayer with me and in your own way. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. The Bible says, if any man believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, he shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do right now. You just pray this. You just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. Lord, I submit to you and to your teachings. I surrender to you today everything. Lord, I surrender my political party to you. God, I give you my governmental beliefs today. I give you everything, Lord, and I ask you to be my Savior. Help me to follow you. Help me to give my life to you, Lord. And I thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Would you give him a hand? Let him know. <clears throat> so proud of you online that you just prayed that prayer. Hey, listen, we just want to help you get started walking with God. Those of you in the room as well, uh, we don't, 
online, you'll see a little tag right there. It says connect.cornerstonerome.com. And man, we'd love to help you get walk, begin walking with God. And there's some things we'd love to help send you, give you some information and things like that. Those of you in the room, the same thing is true. Um, if you fill that out for us, we'll help you get started. Man, it's very important that you have a, a small group of people that you can connect with, relate with, and help grow together with. And we want to help you get started in a pathway of discipleship. It's very, very important. So please do that. Now, before we go, we always like to do this, speak this over you today. And I think this is very fitting from Numbers. Um, this is a prayer, priestly blessing that really started <clears throat> with Moses and uh, Aaron. Really, the Lord gave this to Moses and said, tell Aaron, do this. And so we just take it as if they did it then, we do it now. We just believe this strongly that, that this blessing is, is very real for you and your, for your life. It says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Man, that is our prayer for you. And uh, we lift you up over that every single day. So in Jesus name, God bless you guys so much. Hey, we'll see you next time. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart and that's Jesus. See you next time.